Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here today to try and discuss House of Chains Book 2. So I'm here today with Layla. We're going to be uh, all things up to book, through Book 2. So, Layla, how are you doing today? I'm just fine. Doing great. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Can't complain too much, you know. <laughs> just uh, scrambling at the last minute here because I I really enjoyed Book 1. I think we had a, you know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, but... Book two, I just I kind of got lost in this one. There's a lot, a lot happening, big change of pace. But so, uh, what did you think? Just general thoughts. General thoughts. I I feel like book two is a time where Erickson is putting um, some new threads into the weave. You know, to use a Wheel of Time reference, I guess. <laughs> um, and um, and so I think the relationships we see building are significant and but we just don't know why yet and i think that's why uh, it is confusing still and uh we're back to reading on faith a bit just as we said like for memories of ice even you know starting so yeah well yeah. you had a, re a really great idea on uh, on this the slideshow you created so i'll bring it up on the screen for those of you watching mm -hmm. So, because uh, you had mentioned that it's it's helpful to have a tether to Carsa because we did uh, both enjoy Carsa quite a bit. Um, so it was a really great idea to have that to kind of, you know, as like a, a light to get us through. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and my my thoughts about Carsa this time, he's not prominent in a lot of the uh, of book two, uh, because in book two we open with. Uh, Tavare, Tavare Perrin and Gamut, who are, um, Tavare is Felicen's sister, mm -hmm. and um, Felicen, uh, you know, was given away to the Odatoral Mines, you know, Tavare felt she had to do it to save her family's honor. Uh, so we see these two sides shaping up where Felicen is now the high priestess of the whirlwind and Tavori is trying to uh, vanquish the whirlwind and um, not knowing that Felicen is, is involved. But Felicen knows that Tavori is involved and she's seeking vengeance. So that, and we can come back to that. That's one layer of it. So um, as we talked about a little bit last time, Corsa Orlong was the guard for the previous uh, high priestess of the whirlwind mm -hmm. who was killed. So actually he was a bodyguard for her, but she was killed on his watch. Um, so, but he is now, you know, still involved with the, uh, what is it? The, um, soldiers of the apocalypse, I guess you'd say, you know, the soldiers of the whirlwind. He's involved and what he has taken to doing is uh, re-carving the seven faces on the rock uh, from his home town, you know, his home village. Mm -hmm. And um, so even Felicen even comes and visits him and there are snakes, um, you know, around that come to watch him, you know, carve these faces out of the stone. And uh, from what I can tell, you know, when he's finally carved the faces, 
they speak to him and um, it's as if they have uh, intended for him to, to do that so that they have actually escaped wherever they were before. He's now enabled them to be outside of that place and in this new place. Um, and something that really struck me was that he also carved the faces of his two dead friends and the spirits of those friends began to speak to him. And so from his long journey, he, um, not just his journey, physical journey, but he was on an emotional, spiritual journey and the journey of knowledge. And that seems to have come full circle. And so I pulled up a couple of quotes that I really liked that mention that. And this is where um, I really love this fan art by Sam Burley um, because if I'm reading it correctly, he's carved um, his two friends, I think Baroth and Delos, if that's correct. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and they're speaking to him. And so I love this fan art because it looks like he's like, you know, got his head in his hands, like, what have I done? And in, in the text, it says, Carsa flinched. Do I dream this? Then he straightened. I have drawn your spirits to this place. Did you travel in the wake of the seven, which is the seven faces he drew? And then Bareth Guild responded, we have walked the empty lands, um, empty yet we were not alone, and so on. And so um, it just shows Carsa has something more even more than just being on, you know, like last time we were saying the journey of the young man out to, you know, learn about the world. He's actually either being controlled by the seven or um, somehow in service to them. And especially his own clan's uh, god, which is Urgal. Mm. And at one point, even the face of Urgal, Urgal does speak to him and says something like, I forget what it was, but it's like he was telling him he didn't do good enough. And um, Carsa Orlong was kind of talked back to Urgal and said, you know, um, you don't have to talk to me like that. So, um, so, you know, there's something there. There's some exchange there that he has that capacity to do that. Um, mm. So I find that very interesting as a subtext to everything else going on you have Carsa um doing that and then the next quote too i think speaks to that um oh yeah i think this is where uragal chastises him You've brought us closer, Urgal eventually wrath, close enough to sense the precise location of what we desire. And there you must now go, Karsa Orlong. You've delayed the journey for so long, your journey to ourselves and on the path we have set before you. So that's pretty clear that they have some investment in him. Yeah. Um, but then, um, you know, more conversation, um and uh they say like you warrior we seek freedom and then carsa was silent uh avid indeed 
um, responding to what they had said. Then he spoke, I'm to travel west into the Jag Odin. He sensed their shock and excitement, then the chorus of suspicion that poured out from the seven gods. West, indeed, Carsa Orlong, but how do you know this? And he says, because at last I'm my father's son. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like a full circle. Um, you know, he's completed something and he's realized something now. And he's actually going to find uh, a horse worthy of him in the Jag Odin. I think it's the, um, yeah, a larger, more aggressive horse <laughs> from what I can tell. <laughs> One that suits him. One that suits him, exactly. So, yeah, um, so that's all about Carsa, you know, but I felt that he still has a role to play. And even as all this, the other stuff is going on around him, um, he's fulfilling a destiny that I'm pretty sure is going to come back for all of us to consider hmm. at some point. Yeah, so... Um, what were some things that caught your attention? That <laughs> <laughs> On this one, I was, um, I felt pretty good going into it. And then once when we got back to so many different characters and then some of the characters have, they're, they're referred to as different names sometimes because they, yeah. um, their names change. I, I start to get a little bit lost and I, I, I'll, I'll finish it and then I'll think, okay, that was, that was good, but what just happened? <laughs> I, have to, yeah. I have to go back and read sections. And this is why, um, I, I don't know. It's not like a big deal to, to switch back on, on the Kindle to, to check the character list, but it's a little bit of a, it's not the same as just flipping back pages right? Um, on a paperback. So that's, um, this is one of those books that I wish had a, a big trade version of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's why I went to Kindle. Cause I, um, I don't like the smaller, books at all um for that exact reason i just feel like they're harder to to manage um but kindle has its issues too as you mentioned yeah. and really the way i've read this i i have it on audible and kindle and so i actually listen while i walk but you know i use mm -hmm. that whisper sync where you can like have it read as you it reads aloud oh, okay. as you read the kindle um but um, so with all of that, I I have probably read book two twice oh, okay. or two and a half times now <laughs> because um, between listening to it and then stopping and then saying, okay, let's listen to the whole thing again. But it's still very difficult. And I, I know I don't have the full context of what's going on. Um, but what uh, I one thing I I did notice I think the big overall um, event of this book is going to be the showdown between Felison and Tavori. It has you know it has to be, um, and uh, you know um, what's his name, Ganua's Perrin mm. is involved uh not directly in this but is being considered all the way through it because uh, Felison finds out he's still alive 
Um, and then Tavori finds out that not only was he still alive, but he was working as a secret, um, you know, he was on some secret mission for the Empress. And so he had never, um, you know, dishonored their house at all. Mm. And so uh, I think at the end of book two, Tavori realizes she never needed to have sold Felicin off in the first place. <laughs> so that was kind of, wow, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so, and then there's a section where they think he's dead again. Mm -hmm. And I haven't quite figured that out yet. So. Yeah, I was, I was, because I, I, I was a little bit confused with that. So I just think it's, they think he's dead but he's yeah. still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And another one with the, um, the different names, Fiddler from the B bridge burners is back as strings, mm -hmm. but then some people know he's Fiddler and they call him Fiddler. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes on the same page, you've got Fiddler and strings, both, uh, being used. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of endearing that they have these, uh, like, they have like these nicknames that they get when they come into the, they are in that kind of environment and everyone kind of gets a name that they're known by like strings or, you know, something that they, that they do well or for whatever reason they're called that, but it makes it a little hard to, there's so many of them. It makes it hard to, to keep up. Yeah. I do have uh, my own little list, you know, <laughs> even though there's a list in the back, I, mm. I don't, or the front or wherever it is, I don't find that as helpful because it never says, everything i'm trying to remember you know so. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. a lot to remember yeah so another pair i really enjoyed is um troll singar and onrak um and again i don't know if i'm finding humor mistakenly or <laughs> or if the humor is intended but they seem to be kind of once so they met i don't know do you remember that part where charles singar is the one that we saw in the prologue whose family tied him down and shaved him shaved his head and left him to be drowned right yeah and so then and apparently they're in a warren um and on comes along and I forget how to pronounce his last name. Um, and so um, I'm getting on rack and troll singar. So troll singar essentially bargains with on and says, I'm, I know your enemies. Well, I used to be one of them, but now they've cast me out. And then on says he's a castaway or he's been cast out of his people. And so, um, uh, Tralsingar bargains with Onrek to release him from his chains, you know, to save him from drowning. So he does, but then they end up kind of on this, um, I don't know. Do you remember Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis? Do you know how I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's this little road trip, you know, where, um, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, debating each other, talking to each other. And then they get to this part, which I really thought was, this was the part I thought was funny, 
um, because Tralsingar basically uh, goads Onrak into releasing these hounds of darkness because um, they're, you know, they're kind of like, I read it as um, kind of the double dog dare you type of thing, <laughs> you know, because um, I think Onrak, no, Troll says, are these beasts trapped for eternity, do you think? They're these stone wolves or stone dogs. And is this where they go when they are destroyed? And Onrak shrugged, I have no patience with these games. You possess your own knowledge and suspicions, yet would not speak them. Instead, you seek to discover what I know and what I sense of these snared spirits. So he's kind of like combative with Trollsingar. Um, I care nothing for the fate either of these hounds of shadow. Indeed, I find it somewhat unfortunate that if these two were slain in some other realm and so have ended up here, there are but five remaining for that diminishes my chances of killing one myself. And I think I would enjoy killing a hound of shadow. So then Troll Singar basically dares him. You know, he says that, so the Tister Edor's laugh was harsh. Well, I won't deny that confidence counts for a lot, a lot. Even so on wreck of the low grows, I do not think you would walk away from a violent encounter with a hound and, I bolded that because to me, that was like him saying, I dare you, yeah. you know? So then, um, so then, you know, Onrak is like, oh yeah, we'll watch here. But then they end up, it's not Hounds of Shadow, it's Hounds of Darkness, which is a lot worse. So they, they, uh, <laughs> they uh, really, you know, let loose the wrong, the wrong hounds, definitely, so. Um, but you know, they became friends. And so it's, uh, it's a good, I think it's a good, it's fun to read, mm -hmm. you know, you can see that they're going to have a connection going forward and I don't know why or what, but it's building up to something or it has to be building up to something. So. There, I don't know what, what where it changed for me, but I think I missed a lot of the dry humor uh -huh. uh, in the Gardens of the Moon. Um, but I'm starting to pick up on it now because there there were a few times when I wondered if this was an, an intentional uh, attempt at humor. But I uh -huh. thought there was a lot of funny uh, funny moments. Yeah, um, and sometimes you have to go back. It is one of those things where you have to go right back and read it again because even here I thought, what you know. Um, at least, how old is this Talanon Mass? Isn't he old enough to know to know better than to be goaded? But maybe that's why he's an outcast in the first place. You know, mm -hmm. I, and that is something, you know, that um, both of them are outcasts because they stepped outside of the norm of their people. And Troll Singar says it's because he was a truth teller. You know, so, yeah, and I'm not quite clear on why Onrak uh, was out yet, but he ended up losing an arm and losing his connection to other Talana Mass. Um, he lost a lot off of this dare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. So I'd say that was one of the high points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Yeah. And then the. Uh... Um, and the last one, I I just like this quote. I thought I'd just share it because I wonder if this is something Erickson is really trying to say in general. Um, and I forget what came before this. I think they were saying, you know, things happen or we can't see the future. Hmm. But then um, this person who is a war chief from some tribe that's probably important <laughs> that I haven't figured out yet. Uh, it says the past is all patterns and those patterns remain beneath our feet, even as the stars above reveal their own patterns. For the stars we gaze upon each night are not but an illusion from the past. Um, and then thus the past lies beneath and above the present fist. This is the truth my shamans embrace. The, the bones upon which the future clings like muscle. Hmm. But I felt like that Eric Erickson in this whole series so far, it, it is trying to show something about how we're tied to the past and um, even when we think we're in the present, you know, we have the impact of the past all around us. Even the stars, which we now know scientifically, we're seeing the light of stars from eons ago. Yeah. So I just thought it was pretty profound and maybe was a, you know, something Erickson felt was important to, to get out there yeah. and generate. I had that highlighted on my on my Kindle too. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's a um, good one, and um, and so those were, you know, some of the quotes that stood out to me. Um, did you catch uh, some of the allusions to Tavori and being? Um, I guess, uh, ill-prepared. I don't know if she's ill-prepared or mm -hmm. inexperienced. Inexperienced, uh, yeah. Yeah. And even the her gamut, who is her fist, is not really, um, you know, he probably is capable of being a fist, but it was never his intention to become one. So that's kind of a weakness too. And I'm not sure if we're being shown that weakness um, so that they'll later succeed or if we're being prepared, you know, for something, for a route, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. And I, I did, um, I was a little bit confused with, with the daggers and trading the stones for the daggers. Because the stones or or the gems were um, very valuable because they had, uh, you know, you could do things with them. I forget exactly what, but was there a reason that he traded daggers? Or did he just really like daggers and wanted to trade the stones for it? Is that, um, I know who you mean. Now my, that was the mage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, uh, Kem? I can't remember his name, but um, I got that that might have been Coltane's knife. Oh, okay. And that's why it's so valuable uh, because it um, 
had some link to uh, the chain of dogs. Oh, and okay. It was vague, but I think that's why. And so it might convey some kind of power hmm. now with the history. Okay. I was a little bit, I was, I figured there was something I was not catching there because I was wondering what that yeah. was all about. And you know, um, gosh, I wish I weren't forgetting his name because I know it. Um, but um, he, the mage, uh, is it quick bin? Um, I have it here. Let me see if I can find it. Well, in any case, he's the one with the 1300 children who have been um, reformulated, so to speak, mm -hmm. after being tortured and losing their eyes. And I think that's another interesting bit of power in waiting because I'm wondering what those 1,300 children are going to do once they're trained. And I just, uh, I like that he's in this book for that reason. I feel like he's there to remind us that he's, he's in the picture and that those 1,300 children are in the picture. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what happens. With, um, you, um, you are nothing, child. You are not a dancer. Your body is a service to Rashan, and Rasham is this realm's manifestation of shadow, the drawing of darkness to light. When you dance, it is not you that is that is watched; it is the shadow of your body paint. Is the the shadow your body paints? The shadow is the dancer, not you. Mm -hmm. That I think relates to the Warren of Shadow. Okay. Um, and if I understand correctly, well, first that is um, that is Cotillion speaking to Lastara. Yes. And um, so Lastara had, um, you know, she had been orphaned intentionally by her parents, who just kicked her out when she was five, taken in by these priests, and ultimately trained as this, um, I don't know, fighter, which I don't know, had something to do with dancing. That I'm still working out. But I think Cotillion, the assassin, has or is trying to take her under his wing. And so because the person that appeared to her was, was Cotillion. Uh, also known as the rope, uh, previously known as dancer. When he, yeah, I know. <laughs> previously known as dancer when he was alive and Kellenved was the emperor. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and it seems like Lestara, because of her, the betrayal of her parents, puts a lot of stock in loyalty. And so it seemed that she was questioning whether uh, Cotillion was still loyal to Kellenved or not. That's what I got from that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other interesting uh, side of this. Uh, Lestara teams up with Pearl, to, um, who is a claw, 
to go and find Phyllison. Um, and so now they're on the trail to find Phyllison because Tavori asked them to. And uh, it just seems like things are building up to, I don't know what kind of, you know, uh, critical mass, but it's really fascinating. Yeah, I love Phyllison. Yeah. And I do like uh, in Erickson's work how um, his female characters are very much engaged and in action and driving the narrative as much as, you know, the male characters. Um, and in a way that you don't even really notice it. I mean, I really just now thought of it. It's not something that, you know, you just automatically um, are like, oh, he's using a female character now, you know. Um, but as we've named these these three characters, I've realized, you know, they're all three driving forces in one way. And Absalom yeah. too, who is also in this uh, book too. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because a lot of the times I'll forget if the characters are male or female. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to be reminded. I'll have to go back and look. So yeah, there is there is no they're just characters. There's no um, right. It it just is. There's not it, you can't tell when he's going back and forth. So that is yeah. that is a because um, some of the most powerful characters, some of the my favorite characters from the series have been the women. Yeah, and you know he doesn't. Um, he he lets us know, but he doesn't use it as a a a way of building characterization. I mean, there's, you know, we don't have the female characters worrying about their hair or whatever, you know, we don't have, um, you know, occasionally there's a, on both sides of men and women, occasionally there'll be comments about attraction or about something like that, but just uh, not so that it's overbearing and you become hyper aware mm. of that or thinking there's suddenly going to be a, you know, um, even if there are love interests, it's, I think from what we've read so far, we're not supposed to put too much, <laughs> we're not supposed to put too much investment in the outcome, you know, um, <laughs> other than it being very bizarre and, and strange, like the tatter sales situation. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I think in this world, the story we're, we're reading now, I think most everyone is worried about survival or um i think it's kind of an afterthought uh, that makes sense because yeah. when when romances are thrown in just because it just doesn't doesn't feel yeah. right so i'm glad that it's not a focus yeah you know i will say i i was reading the malazan board on reddit i'm just gonna say that just to just get a sense of conversations and something that stuck out to me was nobody ever dies in Malazan. <laughs> and I, I was like, I kind of see what they mean. I mean, and part of it is the name thing. And some of it, you know, like now we know Kellenved and Dancer ascended. So even though they were supposed to have been assassinated, they're still like around. And that's starting to make sense to me. I think hmm. that's something that's making sense to me where um, even if a character dies or is reported to be dead, I keep in mind, I'm starting to keep in mind, oh, yeah, but what if they're going to show up somehow, maybe with a different name, <laughs> you know? So I better just kind of keep that in mind. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's great. 
The uh, the Reddit boards I think are really good. Um, I, there's some great conversations there. I just I try to avoid that. I, I try to to avoid it or be very careful because sometimes in the title there's a there's a spoiler. So I, I try to be careful. Oh with yeah. It. yeah, 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 yeah. And That's... it's I know it's not intentional. There, the fan base for, for Malazan has been really really supportive and really really great. Um, I know they kind of get a bad rap, but for you know every fandom has their their bad oh, apples, yeah. but um, it's, yeah. the ones I've interacted with have been really helpful and uh, excited when they hear that you're reading it. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, even over a year ago, um, before this even started, I would look at the Malazan boards because I was trying to figure out if I wanted to start the series, you know. Um, and uh, I appreciated that even then because, you know, I would just read the ones that you know gave a gave some helpful tips and some general ideas but yeah didn't get into the end of the book or the spoilers or whatever and mm. so i've always liked the community and now i feel uh i feel better <laughs> i guess for having read it but um yeah i stay away otherwise so yeah uh, another couple of things i wrote down is we did find out that being in the being in dead house that those those characters have certain powers or um, they they have a longevity uh resistance basically to poisons and things and um immunity to some things so that i thought that was really interesting they they're not we know that they have there's benefits to it which characters all of them um, or different characters let me find out let me let me look it up on my pad here um, let's see the, um, I believe, uh, is it Dijuk, mm -hmm. Hall and Amaron? Mm -hmm. Like Dijuk one arm. Yeah. And what was it again that you said that they, uh, Amaron, they have, uh, they have certain gifts, longevity, immunity to most diseases and other things. Um, so they being in dead house they they came out of it with some powers interesting you know because i'm wondering um toward the end uh fiddler hears that whiskey jack and do jack and the rest of them are dead i'm not sure i believe that you know um mm -hmm. just like they're saying ganua's parent is dead but I'm not sure if that, you know, that's just um, the rumors of war, as they say. So, um, so I'm waiting to see if they really are. But that would even be more odd if Dujek actually has some immunity. Hmm. So maybe that's a way of telling us, no, he's not really dead. Because uh, Topper, um, in his report, he, he includes uh, what happened to Peron and is that he's dead. And then all the bridge burners are, are dead, and then he saw the bodies. So yeah, I, I think that's. I don't believe either. I think that's just what they. He claims he saw the bodies though, um, so. I don't know. It's hard, and maybe he did. So the the thing is, what we've got happening here is the empress. He's working for the empress. He's the, what the claw for the empress, mm -hmm. and she's already pulled kind of a bait and switch with whiskey jack and all of them 
already, <laughs> you know. So now that they're coming back again and saying this, we as readers, I mean, to me, we as readers have to question, is this true, you know? Uh, but then maybe maybe it is, and maybe that's going to be the, the trick on us this time. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, I think that's an example of what makes this uh, so good and interesting because um, we really can't be sure at this point, but then these characters are going to act on this information. Mm. You know, that's a great point. And something else I wondered now that Tavori has figured out that, oh, you know, Ganoa's parent was, he was alive all along. So what exactly is she supposed to be doing for the Empress? You know, I mean, the Empress let her do all that to her family to prove her loyalty, even though her family had not been dishonored and, and Ganoas had been fulfilling the Empress's wishes too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it just seems like she's playing both of them. So. Hmm. There's so many different um, strings everywhere. Yes. I mean, there, there's so many different strings going on. Yeah, and I, I do read it thinking, okay, this piece of dialogue probably means something profound, and I'm not going to figure it out until I read the next five books or how many books are left. Um, and that's kind of cool, you know, um, part of the process. But uh, I tell you, I, I do want to finish the series. I really think that the more I find out, the more interesting uh, it does become. So. Well, I think it's really helping to take it book by book. Because mm -hmm. um, there's, and I hear a lot of people say that too, that there's, there's things that happened in, in Gardens of the Moon that will mean something profound later in the series. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really neat that that's, that that's happening. What I worry about is that there's so much in every book. Am I going to remember mm -hmm. that moment from Gardens of the Moon when I get to book nine or 10? Yeah. Even this part about the hounds with uh, where Onrek you know, releases of two hounds, he makes some comment about hounds being, uh, two hounds being killed already. And, yeah. and I forget, I kind of remember that, I think that happened in memory, um, no, Gardens of the Moon. But I can't remember. <laughs> and I don't even know if they're related, you know, and that was one of those where that probably means something. And I just haven't caught it yet. You know, so yeah. There's the other the other character that really stood out to me was one that's um, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the name, but Bidenthal, Bidden, uh -huh. Bidenthal, the the one who um, has an appetite for children. Sounds like right. Um, so yeah, that's I think those that's kind of those those really despicable characters. They keep um, you know we want to keep reading to find to see what happens to them we want them to fail right and the interesting thing there you've reminded me uh for Felison, um he's one of her mages i guess and there are two others loric and i forget the other one but 
they're in competition with each other and you know and um some are more loyal than others to Felicin. And I see them as another weak link in some way to whatever is going to happen. You know, are they going to switch sides? Or are they going to disappear when it, everything gets hot? You know, just seems like there's something, something more there. Um, so, and I think it's kind of poetic maybe that you know, Benethal is able to do that. You know, Felison uh, essentially adopted all, every child in the camp to protect, to put them under her protection. But Benethal is able to get away with it because the whirlwind goddess distracts Felison and doesn't let her know what's going on, even with her closest adopted daughter, Felison the Younger, <laughs> the, the other <laughs> You know, so um, so I I feel like um, again layers within layers of things happening, which when the pressure really builds, what direction are all of these characters going to go? You know, on both sides, on Tavori's side too. Because when uh, was it Herboric? He mm-hmm. threatens he threatens Bidenthal to stay away from Felison and, and he's it doesn't seem like he really takes him that seriously. Like Yeah. Okay, sure, you know. But I think everyone's so distracted with everything else going on in the world that it's times like this that people like Bidenthal can really because everyone else's attention is elsewhere. So people who people who want to take advantage of those situations, it's a perfect chance for them to do that. And right. times like this. Yeah, I think he depicts that really well. Mm-hmm. And gosh, that reminded me of something. Um, oh, because I was thinking of kids. Um, the other interesting uh, omen was the young boy with the the um, bone that came mm-hmm. out and essentially stood in Tavori's footsteps with this human bone and spooked everybody. I found that so interesting. Um, and then they overcame it by uh, raiding other graves so that they could carry other bits of bone and essentially own the, you know, own the omen. Um, so. Uh, it's, it's almost like, I think this part was in, on Kindle, it was like 300 pages or something, I think on mm-hmm. Kindle. I'm not sure about paperback, but these these 300 felt like seven or 800 in another book because there's just so much. There was. Every page had some detail. And like I said, I went uh, I went over uh, each chapter at least twice um, from uh, between Audible and Kindle mm-hmm. as I'm either taking a walk or I'm you know, sometimes in the evening I'll sit down and I'll kind of read through it again um, just to check back some key points, you know. But um, once you, I think once we get it, I think it's uh, really a profound story. I think he's got a lot of important themes and I think, um, I can't remember, I think he's an archaeologist I, and I, um, was it, an arch- or is it uh, um, was it just 
I forget the name. I'm having a brain fart. I used to study this in school. It's the um, um, the the land. The uh, I'm having a, it's like a complete yeah. idea. Human but, yeah, geography. So, uh, geography. Yeah, I don't know. Why I'm yeah. having a brain fart. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I just I think that informs a lot of his thinking, and that um, I always think of that as I'm reading that that he's really speaking to the human condition and. Uh, how maybe how history repeats itself, everything that he said, you know, um, how uh, maybe we're tied to the past and uh, just things like that. So um, I, that helps me kind of understand his approach. And I think that's how I tend to read in general. Um, you know, I love a good story, but I also like, um, some things I can forgive if I understand why the author did what they did, if that mm. makes sense. It does, yeah. Um, and I'm not saying he has anything that needs to be forgiven. I just mean in general, I try to think, why did this author put this in here? You know, mm. um, and maybe I'm just not getting it yet, but maybe somebody will. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I really want to to get it i just i think without talking to you about this i'd be totally i mean i'm still a little bit lost but i'd be totally lost no you've brought up some things i hadn't even you know remembered so yeah and i kind of had to shake my head but that's what this is for and you know i really hope others join because i think um recently I ended up reading that fable again about the blind man and the elephant, you know, and I really think it's kind of that thing where we're all going to find different things and uh, just develop that broader picture. So, um, you know, so if anybody's listening, uh, the more the merrier. And yeah. I don't think we, we should be, I don't think we should be intimidated. I think, every reader absorbs things in their own way and that's okay hmm. yeah there there was a, a couple more things i had written down but um i i don't know why <laughs> i shouldn't enjoy this but i really like the military the uh, moving and you're gonna you're going to this location you're joining this troop you're mm -hmm. moving here to this brigade or whatever it is i really enjoy that shifting and constant um those decisions that are made to strengthen certain points certain parts mm -hmm. of the world or to straighten strengthen certain squads or that squad's dead go here instead i really enjoy that mm -hmm. uh, the military aspect but um, a couple other things did we know about rashan that it was spared because i i didn't know if that was revealed before that the city um that it wasn't destroyed because of the religious um it's considered it was like considered sacred I do not remember that. So that's a good question. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So now I'll have to make a note and go read about that. Um, where did it, or do you remember what it said about that? Uh, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. And who, who made the comment? Because maybe that can help me. Sometimes it's more the character that said it. Um, yeah, let me see if I can find it here. Um, so it looks like uh, Lostara 
Um, it says that Rashan is the manifestation of shadow, the drawing of darkness, darkness to light. She says that the Melazon Empire came and purged the, the many seven cities, cults, but not Rashan, for, for it was a recognized religion. Oh, okay. Yeah, she remembers the night the cult was destroyed, a high priest from another city visited Master Biddenthal, and that there would be a dance. Lestara was attracted to the high priest and didn't dance well. It's revealed that the high priest was, in fact, Quick Ben, who had oh. come to destroy Rashan. Hmm. So I wasn't sure if that was something I missed before or if that was um, just revealed now. It could have been um, alluded to before in a way that it's only <laughs> now being explained. Yeah, yeah but that's uh, that's worth noting um, just to remember yeah. for later. And uh, the other thing I had was Kalam using the bone whistle. Oh, yeah, that's who I was thinking of, Kalam. Yeah, and um, calling up the Azalon, Azalon demon. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was a wild scene because the demon, I guess, stretched itself out so it could keep the balcony in place. Yeah. I'd love to see that on screen, actually. Um, but I don't remember why he called the demon. I don't either. Um, yeah. But I, you know, there's so many, there's so many points in this, in these books that I'd love to see them adapt. And yeah, uh, I know Erickson and um, like AP are a little tight lipped on it. So I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hopeful that there's something in the works, but it'd be, uh, I wonder how they would adapt. It'd have to be like 20 seasons. I hope he has full 100% control over it. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Yeah. Um, because it's worth it. And I would love to see this. And I know what you mean about the military aspect. I like the camaraderie. Yeah. You know, I like the, the camaraderie that builds. And um, and really, I have to say this because um, I, uh, you know, I'm working on some fantasy related things myself. And um, I don't think I have the capacity to write anything remotely like uh, a military <laughs> uh, adventure, but yet I'm I'm so drawn to them at the same time, and I think it's the camaraderie, you know, and I think yeah. any good fantasy story to me, I enjoy the the camaraderie of it too. Mm. It's yeah. it's funny something that uh, Jimmy from the Fantasy Network said. I forget what what discussion it was, but he was he was talking about people who complain about all the soldiers in this mm -hmm. in this series that it's. Is not interesting. Soldiers aren't interesting. They're just foot soldiers. Like what? That's not fun to read. But Jimmy, Jimmy said something like, have you ever talked to a soldier? Mm -hmm. Have you ever sat down and talked to one? And they have, I mean, imagine the stories and the, the insight they can give you. So that's yeah. always, uh, that kind of changed my perspective on it is um, hearing those stories from the people who were in the trenches. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's um, even way back, I, you know, uh, there were books like, I don't know if you've ever read The Things They Carried, which is a book about Vietnam. Um, and uh, I guess I'm, you know, grew up in that age where the end of Vietnam and then, you know, all of the aftermath of that started coming out. 
I don't know if that has a bearing on some of these stories. And in fact, I would say, I think some of our fantasy of the 90s uh, is a response to that era. Because like um, in Wheel of Time, Robert Jordan was a Vietnam veteran. And so his work has a, a PTSD theme to it. And, um, you know, George R. R. Martin uh, did not enlist or some, I don't know how, I don't know that whole story, but at the same time, some of his themes, you know, relate back to themes of the 60s and 70s. And so, mm -hmm. so I just wonder with Erickson as well, if uh, that's also something that's being picked up on in some way. Either it's the, not Vietnam, you know, the Gulf War and that kind of thing. We'll have to put on the list and ask him when, when we can get hold of yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I just looked up the, uh, I'm cheating, I'm using the wiki here for this, but uh, mm -hmm. Kalam uses the bone whistle and then Elizon demon arises and Kalam tells the demon to get Captain Urz, I-R-R-I-Z. Oh, I remember that. Um And I'm not sure why he wanted him. Um, the mage Ebron says he thought Kalam and the others were outlawed, and Kalam tells them they are. If it was a feint, they introduced themselves as Sergeant Cord Bell and Corporal Shard. Kalam asks them about kindly, and Cord says they lost him in the lieutenant days ago, when they fell down a well shaft and drowned, swept away by an under underground river. Kalam mm. informs him the demon just killed 500 besiegers in a few minutes. Mm. There's another faint, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he wasn't killed. Um, so, yeah. I guess I'm not sure if that's in response to something because of Coltane's death and the chain of dogs. I, and maybe I got the wrong impression as to what Kalam was, um, why he was there, what he was attempting to accomplish. Yeah. 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 Some there's so, so many things to keep track of. So and many things. like I said, I almost felt like Kalam was there just to remind us that he is in the picture. And I'm sure it's moving his story forward in some way. But mm -hmm. there was it was tantalizing because I wanted to hear more about him, but we only got bits and pieces. And so I just thought, well, maybe this is not his book and his full story is not here, but maybe we'll see him in the next, see more in the next book. Because speaking of romances, he did get married to a very nice lady <laughs> who is now raising his 1,300 children while he's off, you know, doing this. So, uh, but that's an interesting story. I think we're just in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a, quite a few pages to go, so we'll see. Maybe we'll yeah. Get, yeah. But cool. So, yeah. Is there anything else you can think of? Not at the moment. Uh, I am going to look up Rashawn and Kalam and uh, definitely look forward to, I think it's the last uh, third of the book, right? Um, we have book three and then there on this, I'm trying to avoid the, um, I see book four, House of Chains, but it's the epilogue. I believe. Oh, okay. So yeah, I think just one more and then the 
Yeah, so should we, let's see here. I'm looking at mine too. So there's a book three and then an epilogue. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So should we just read the epilogue too, or? Yeah, what do you we could do that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I look forward to the next talk. Uh, should we finish up this one and then in the read along starting in January, we'll start with the next book. Sure. We can do that. If it works. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah, I want to. I want enough time. I want some time between, but not too much time, because then it's <laughs> then it yeah. something else. <laughs> oh sure. Oh, you know what? I do see. There's a book three and a book four. Oh okay. But maybe, I'm open to reading them all, or we could just take the chunk of book three either way. Yeah. We'll see who else we can wrangle for that discussion. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Cool. Well, if uh, anyone wants to connect with you, where's the best place to find you? Um, on Twitter right now at El Goshi. Um, and, uh, you know, right here, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next cool. time I'm talking about House of Chains. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll let everyone know what the date is, but we'll uh, hopefully see, see you next time. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.